Welcome to the Impactful PBL Podcast. I'm Candice, your host, a project-based learning coach and leader of the Impactful PBL Network. And you can find me at impactfulpbl.com. I'm on a mission to do good work with good people for good reasons, and I hope you are too. If you are a current or aspiring project-based educator looking for strategies and ideas to craft memorable learning experiences that empower your students to tackle challenges in their school and community through project-based learning, then you're in the right place. Join me as I share resources and tips to help you launch a PBL initiative in your classroom. Welcome to the Impact Makers community and let's talk PBL. Hey, Impact Makers. During a meeting with a group of teachers, we were discussing ways to assess students during project-based learning units. And one teacher expressed concerns about assigning grades or assessing students during PBL. And the teacher shared that she wanted students to enjoy the process and she didn't want them to earn low grades and become unmotivated or disinterested in projects. And I understand her concern. So I responded, how can we design an assessment process that sets students up for success? So we spent some time brainstorming ways to assess students during project-based learning units. Let's first think about what is the purpose of education assessments? Well, it's used to gather data about students' learning or academic performance or progress. And we typically use this data to make decisions about their learning process. It should be used to drive learning, inform students of their progress, and inform teachers' instructional practices. So when we think about assessments in PBL and whether you should utilize it or not, I want to ask you is to think about how would you feel if you poured your energy, your ideas, your effort into something for weeks and didn't see any recognition or feedback or suggestions or anything. Now, I'm not saying assessments are the only way to do that, but let's consider how we can set students up for success so that you won't be assigning failing grades. And I think you can accomplish this by using a variety of tools or strategies to conduct assessments during PBL units. Let's review the types of assessments that we could consider. So the first thing we can consider are diagnostic assessments. And we know that an example of this is like a pretest designed to assess students' knowledge prior to instruction. And you may choose to give students a pretest on content-specific standards before beginning the project-based learning unit. You may also choose to use something like a KWL chart where you ask students, what do they already know about the PBL topic? For example, if your students were answering the driving question, how can we help an architect design a home for a newly built community that was destroyed after a hurricane? You might ask students to share what they already know about the process of building a home or what happens when a natural disaster destroys a community or what is the role of an architect, etc. But then you can also do a diagnostic test on the actual content, right? So if this particular PBL was assessing area and perimeter, you may give a diagnostic test to see what students know about finding the area and perimeter of a figure. Then we have summative assessments. A summative assessment is an assessment of learning and it happens at the end of the project and it typically involves a student-friendly rubric. Remember, throughout your PBL unit, your goal is to assess students using a variety of strategies that lead to a comprehensive assessment. So that leads me to formative assessments. A formative assessment can be described as an assessment for learning and it occurs frequently throughout the project and it provides time for students to revise their work based on feedback. 
There are other types of assessments, but we will focus more on formative assessments during this episode and sprinkle in a couple of summative assessments. Now, I want to point out that not all assessment options result in a grade, but rather it's a way to measure progress and to set goals. Think about a wellness quiz or survey that you may have taken. Have you ever visited a doctor for a yearly physical and before you saw the doctor, you were asked to take a survey and you answered a set of questions about your health? So whether it was your exercise habits, your nutritional habits, etc., that's a form of assessment. But you didn't receive a grade of an A or a B, whether you were exercising or not. But once you actually spoke to the doctor, the doctor used that assessment as a discussion starter to provide feedback. So they may have said, I see that you are not exercising at least four days a week. You should build in four days a week at 30 minutes. Or they may give you suggestions on how to eat healthier. Keep that in mind as we explore six types of assessments I've seen teachers use during project-based learning units. Now, a common question I've been asked is, can I still use some of my typical assessment options to measure content mastery, such as quizzes and exit tickets? And the answer is yes. Remember, students are engaging in content-specific and project-specific learning activities over a course of a few weeks. So you will still check for understanding on an ongoing basis to determine if students are mastering learning objectives. For example, let's go back to our driving question. How might we help an architect design a floor plan for a home in a newly built community? The driving standards may involve students solving problems with area and perimeter or applying the area and perimeter formula for rectangles in the real world context. With this example, the teacher may use an exit ticket or a short quiz to test students' ability to find the area or perimeter of a figure. Perhaps a teacher would like to incorporate a game or a challenge where students can demonstrate their knowledge about the subject. When we think about summative assessments, I want you to think about a rubric. A scoring rubric communicates the components of quality work, and it allows students to review the criteria for achieving mastery at each level. Rubrics can be multidimensional and address various competencies. For example, you could assess subject area skills, communication skills, presentation skills, the product creation process, etc. So rubrics can be as simple or complex as you desire. Teachers can also assess students informally through teacher-led discussions. And the reason why I'm referring to these discussions as teacher-led, because you would be intentional about which questions to ask. Basically, you are using similar check for understanding strategies that you may currently use So you should pre-plan these questions to ensure you reach the appropriate level of rigor and ensure you are asking questions that are need to knows in order to determine if students are fully engaged in the project and are mastering content as you go along. As you are leading a class discussion, you are basically doing a pulse check. Overall, what you want to know is, are students understanding the content? Do you need to reteach some concepts? You also want to monitor students' progress in terms of them producing their public product. You might also want to set up teacher-student check-ins or conferences. Now, during this time, teachers often get the opportunity to deepen relationship with students and provide individual assistance when needed. Teacher-student check-ins can be set up in a way where students lead the meeting, give them question prompts or sentence starters to help them prepare for the meeting. Basically, they should come to the meeting with challenges they are experiencing, ideas they want feedback on or clarity on misconceptions that they may have. And as you host more student teacher check-ins, students' comfort level will increase and they will become more equipped with leading the meetings. This leads me to the next assessment option, which are student self-reflections. Student self-reflections allow students to take ownership of their learning. They can review their work, behavior, or actions and reflect on their progress. But it's important that students have 
clear goals at the start of the PBL unit and milestones so that they have a starting point for their reflection. Through this process, students should identify not just their areas of strength, but also their weaknesses. When introducing students to self-reflection, it's important to model what this process looks like. Because let's be honest, many adults don't take the time to reflect, so it takes practice. So you want to set aside time for students to reflect. Maybe every Friday they will engage in a reflection task. You can choose to mix it up a little bit. Maybe one week they will complete a written reflection. Maybe the next week they'll engage in a discussion. Maybe the next week they'll reflect through a visual representation. You get the point. But Refrain from making it a checkmark task where students do it because a teacher asked them to, but they don't actually see the purpose. Notice, this isn't something where students receive a grade, but they are assessing their own progress. A quick tip when creating reflection prompts is to create questions that can't be answered with a simple yes or no. Also, don't forget to model the process by doing it yourself. After I lead a professional development session with teachers, I review the feedback from teachers and reflect on what went well and areas that I can change to make the experience better. Another type of assessment is peer evaluations, which can help teachers gain a sense of what's happening within the groups and determine how to provide support. Teachers often share that they have to manage group conflict, typically due to disagreement about the project or complaints about a group member not contributing. It's important to provide a structure for peer evaluations, whether it's peer rankings, peer ratings, or peer nominations, to avoid students completing the process in a biased manner. For example, they rate a particular student high because that's their friend. Finally, don't forget about how you typically assess for learning. What strategies can you continue to utilize even if you have to modify it? Remember, you are evaluating the entire process of learning, not just the end product. Your evaluations or assessments should hold students accountable for their own learning, not their entire group. Of course, there are other methods to assess for learning during PBL units, but I hope this episode provided you with some ideas. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you find this podcast insightful, please leave a review and subscribe so you can get notified of future episodes.